Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing Nate Sprout. He's learned a bunch of lessons along the way from being raised in a cult, fundamentalist Christian household with hellfire and damnation to robbing a hotel with brass knuckles and then reconnecting with his teenage son later in life. Nate, welcome. I'm super pumped. All right, bring it. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Yeah. How did you find my show? I'm a bottom dweller, so not saying that you're at the bottom, so I'm going through these fucking pages, like, you know, I think I got an awesome podcast, so I'm clicking on everybody. It's how I found my girlfriend, just click on all of them, and then someone's gonna bite. I met my girlfriend on MySpace, and I would go down to all the chicks in my area, because you could do that, and I would type in, what's up, babe, what's up, babe, what's up, babe, what's up, babe? to all of them, because I just wanted to see who's going to talk back. And then once they started talking back to me, then I could talk to them and, you know, I could weed out who I wanted to weed out and try to get the one that I can sleep with on the first night kind of shit, you know, because you're looking after your, your interest here. It was a numbers game. It is a number. Yeah, it was exactly a numbers game. It all right. So you got it for like breakfast, lunch and dinner or like you decided to just kind of stick with one once you like weeded them out? I'm going to tell you what, I used to do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I've been with her for 13 years. It's actually turned into a very, we're not married, but we might as well be. I mean, she has a ring on her finger. From so. you? Yeah, it's actually from me. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, th I think so, right? 13 years, that's how long I've been married. So yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, that's when the sex starts getting bad. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I would hope that it would improve by then. No, that's what they say. So tell me about the cult that you grew up in. Oh, I grew up in uh, basically crazy ass fundamental Christianity. And I will get political. It's kind of like this whole Trump thing right now. To these kind of people. The, the kind of people that you see talking about how Trump won, God's anointed him to be this savior to root out the deep state and that QAnon. I mean, I got good family members that, who I love to death who are total QAnon fucking freaks, highly strict fundamentalist Christians. And what was that like as a kid? You don't know. You don't have any other perception other than when you get a little older and then when you speak with, you know, friends at a public, because I went to a Christian school until fourth grade and I failed. So I went to public school for fifth grade because I guess the standards were high enough at the private school. So even if I failed fourth grade, the principal was going to let me into fifth grade at the public school. How did you fail fourth grade? I was just a clown. How do you, you're not going to be a clown at a fundamentalist Christian school. Were you giving so, the teachers pushback to the curriculum? Like you weren't buying it or? No, man, I would make up shit like we're doing sprout coke today and we're smoking my, my, and it would all be fake. 
but I would literally talk about cocaine and weed and all this shit in fourth grade. How did you know about that? I have no idea, really. I really don't. But I remember Sproke Coke. Sproke's my last name. I remember Sproke Coke. And I would get in so much trouble for talking about drugs and sex. And I don't know how I learned about this shit. I really don't. Maybe you're from movies. Maybe it was the news, man. The fake media corrupted me to be a fucking addict. Wow. (laughs) Where were your parents? Like, I'm sure if they sent you to that school, they didn't agree with that. I got in trouble for, for doing that shit. I got in trouble a lot. My parents are divorced. So I grew up with my mother and grandmother. And I saw my dad every other weekend. I was like, you know, your typical American childhood. I don't blame my parents at all. I'm actually, compared to a lot of people, I'm, I guess I'm like middle class. You know, people only do what they think is right often. And you can look at that with even world leaders who we, we often think are really terrible. But they were only doing what they thought was right. So your parents are only doing what they think is right. And I've done the same thing raising my son. After his mom died, I raised him for four years. I don't think I did it right, but I did what I did based on what I knew. It's funny that way, you know? So you can't necessarily blame somebody when when you get older, when the culture is different, when you evolve into a different culture or a different stream of that religion. They may look at me as uh, someone that fell away from that lifestyle of being a fundamentalist, but I look at it as I've grown and I've, I've matured and I've learned over time through a lot and a lot of mistakes. And I don't blame my parents at all because they love me and I know that they may have their wacky, crazy beliefs, but I still love them. Are they still part of that? Yeah, 100%. Interesting. I would say it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse since Trump took office. Why do you think that is? Because of the divide? I think that humankind, if you really go back in history, you'll see that we all need a king. We all need a king or a queen. We all need a leader. And they all believe that they were sent from God, that they were divine. You, there's, there's actually uh, what they call the divine right of kings. And that is how the monarch would hold prestige over the people and their lords like listen i'm god in flesh and my words are as if it's god's words so i think humans are predisposed to want a leader and need a leader and and in a lot of ways i think that that's true and that we do need leaders because if we didn't have leaders, we wouldn't organize and we wouldn't actually progress as a society because we would all be thinking that we all knew what's best when we do need a leader to move forward in society. In, in America, I definitely don't, do not hold to the idea that God picks presidents and that they're the divine rule and whatever they say is from God. And that's how a lot of these fundamentalist Christians think today. And this is from someone who has connections into the inside of that cult. <laughs> that's but, really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're diehard. And I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about what could happen in the future. And I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with Tim Pool. Oh, yeah. My husband's a big fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan too. I like Tim Pool. I've been watching him lately since Rogan got pulled off of YouTube. I can't get my Spotify to uh, play the video. It fucking sucks. I hate it. 
you know what? I get it. I would have done the same thing if I was Rogan, and I'll do the same thing if that happens in 13 years. Because uh, he's 53, I'm 40, and that's just when he started. So I'm like, well, someone offers me $100 million. I'm taking that shit and running, too. My husband asked me if I saw anyone talking about aliens today. Did you read about that? Yeah, yeah. Glenn Beck was talking about it. I'm very liberal, but I like to watch a lot of conservative sites because I want to feel the pulse. I like to feel the pulse of what's going on on both sides and not be not be totally listening to just one side. That's stupid. You're a fucking idiot if you do that. My husband's the same way. That's interesting. But there's a lot of dumb people out there. And I'm not saying I'm smart. I'm not smart. I'm an idiot myself. I mean, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, I just think it's important. I want you to talk to me about how you evolved. I think the main reason how I've evolved was going to actually earn my master's degree in religion from a fundamentalist university. I'm not, I don't really want to name the university. Yeah, you don't have to. There's a lot of fundamentalist universities out there. You work hard and you investigate the Bible, you investigate, you know, you're doing research, blah, 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 on, you know, all these theological concepts. And, you know, when you're got a mind that when he was in fourth grade, he was talking about Sprout Coke, you know, you can obviously think that, you know, when you're in your 30s and you're going, taking graduate level classes to earn your master's to become a pastor, because that was my aim, that I'm going to dig a little deeper. And I just found that you can't take the Bible literally. I love the Bible. My podcast right now is doing every episode on a chapter of the Bible. But I'm smoking weed, smoking cigars, drinking beer, and I just want you to think about it. I don't even have an opinion. I just think it's an awesome piece of literature, and it inspires me. But other books inspire me also. And I want other people just to think about it in a way that they didn't learn about when they were kids or hear about on the news with these wackies out there, these fundamentalist wackos. And they're not all bad. They truly believe in what they're doing. Just think about, you know, Islam. We're definitely, when Bush was in office, strapping bombs and killing themselves in the name of their religion. And of course, Christians did that too during the Middle Ages and, you know, uh, when they went and ransacked Jerusalem. But religion is so powerful. And I think that's why I'm a spiritual person anyway. Trying to understand how religion influences people is definitely a passion of mine. But I like to keep an open mind. uh, I love that. I love that. I want to dig deeper into that. And also, another thing that you mentioned to me was being raised in a cult caused pain. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm probably drinking today. (laughs) Has that master's degree and that learning taken away some of that pain? Yeah. What really took away the pain was almost like coming out. I came out and just was me. I wasn't going to pull any punches to my family anymore. I wasn't going to fake shit anymore. I would never come on a podcast like this and could be listening to thousands of people. I don't care. I wasn't going to be fake anymore. And that was so relieving. I told my girlfriend that we talk about it quite oftenly, Stacy. And I was like, you know, just being real with yourself, knowing yourself, it so takes a weight off your shoulders. And that truly was the release of the pain. And then also, yes, academically knowing some more things and allowing your, your brain to wrap its head around that to feel like 
oh, I'm not going to go burn in hell for forever, or all this fear that is drummed into you since you are a child. Okay, uh, I definitely want to talk about the hell thing, because my husband went to a Pentecostal school and felt the fear of hell and was told, you know, that he was going to go there, and he doesn't anymore believe that. I grew up Pentecostal, so okay. your husband and I should talk sometime. I do fear the fear of hell sometimes. I think that it was so ingrained inside of me that I don't know how I can release it. It's not as great as it used to be. I don't believe in a literal hell. Smarter people than I have went through these texts that Jesus was the master hyperbolist. He exaggerated things. His teachings were awesome. Like my favorite books of the Bible are the Gospels and Genesis. His teachings were great, but you could see in the writing that he's exaggerating about a lot of things just to make a point. So there's an area when you translate the Bible into it's a, to the Greek, I believe, that hell really just meant the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. Smarter people than me can look it up if, if they want to and see if that's true or not. But that's pretty much what what Jesus or the authors who wrote that, that said that Jesus said that. See, that's another thing you got to think about. We don't know if Jesus said these exact words. These are words that people written down that were not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are just names that they gave to those books. Generally, most scholars do not believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John wrote the Gospels. They're just attributed names. And there's similarities between what we know of that apostle and, and the actual gospel because their names are sometimes mentioned more or less. I mean, I talked to a woman last night who is such a believer. And first of all, she caught her boyfriend cheating, right? And she was far from thinking that was okay, but she did believe that God told her that he was the one and that they were going to work through it. And she said that pornography is a sin and there's no room for that. What are your thoughts around that? Pornography? Yeah. I watch porn, yeah. But not very much. Only when my girlfriend's on her period. <laughs> uh, really, I'm serious. But I'm, fundamental Christians would not think that was okay. I guess they're just going to have to hold it in and wait till she gets off her period. I don't know. I mean, or, or just in general. Now, but... You do have to remember that there is some very, uh, can be some damaging effects to pornography. It's extremely addictive. It definitely hits your dopamine. So it's extremely addictive. So I don't think that fundamental Christians are wrong in thinking that it's not a good idea, but like everything in moderation, you know. What other things can you go to hell for? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it doesn't matter how much you sin, as long as you accept Christ as your savior, then all your sins are forgiven. So you could be Adolf Hitler and on his deathbed, he could accept Christ and he'll be in heaven. How do you feel about that? And you believe whatever you want to believe. Not here to tell people what to believe, really. I never was in his shoes. I'm glad I'm not. Power does crazy things to people and people get strange beliefs. There was a time when the United States did not want to get involved in World War II. We actually had a large German population in the United States that were pro-Hitler. It wasn't until that ship went down 
that was carrying a lot of uh, American civilians near Britain because uh, they often carried supplies, but they were uh, marked as ships that shouldn't be attacked in war. But there's a conspiracy theory that Churchill knew that they needed the United States and let his ships that protected that area, they backed them off just so the U-boats could hit this boat knowing that it would kill Americans and this would definitely get the Americans into the war. Hmm. What do you think about 9-11? Makes sense that it could have possibly been set up where they just let it happen, kind of like the other things we were talking about. I mean, isn't that crazy how after 9-11, just a few months later, they whipped out a thousand pages for the Patriot Act? It's like they already had it planned. It's already stored. We already writ this shit. You know what's crazy? One time I was sitting outside of a bank and I needed to go in and this was like before the pandemic or whatever. And then I started doing like, I don't know, a live or something. And I was like talking on my phone. Literally, they called the police on me sitting outside of the bank too long. I'm surprised. The first thing that came to my head is you're white. Why the hell would that happen? Oh my God. I was like so embarrassed. Now you know a little bit what it's like. And I not a minority, but you know, that's what minorities deal with all the time. I have a coworker. They were messing around with how you can unlock your car from your cell phone. She's white, he's black, but he was like fiddling around. And it's a nice, you know, a nice SUV. Just so happened the police stopped and wanted to know what he was doing. And then she saw that and automatically ran out and was like, hey, this is our house. What do you, why would you even stop? I'm just trying to get in my car, man. Yeah, I feel like now, like, people are so much more on edge. Like, if you walk into a store and you don't have a mask on, you are going to be, like, wrestled out the door. (laughs) Well, you know, I wear my mask. I'm not an anti-masker. Are you an anti-masker? I'm not an anti-masker, but look, like, if you don't live in the city and you're going to walk your baby around the block and it's the middle of the day and you're not near anyone, I don't necessarily think you need one. Oh, yeah. You're in Chicago. I'm out here in Iowa where there's, there actually is a mask mandate that half the people don't follow. Well, people follow it. People follow it. But I live in rural Iowa, a very yeah. kind of 2,000 people, where every once in a while you'll spot a Confederate flag, you know, flying proudly. You right, said right that you robbed a hotel? Yeah, yeah. Who hasn't? Or robbed something. I actually know somebody who's done that and he's still in jail. 10 years later, never served prison time. I went to jail, I was in jail for three months. Tell me about that. I'm an addict to just about a lot of things. Hence, well, you know, I'm not a pastor of a church. (laughs) Well, actually I was trying to become a pastor of a church after the fact. I went to the casino and I lost all my money and I was very depressed. I was trying to call my girlfriend on the phone, couldn't get a hold of her. And then the next thing you know, like, fuck it, dude. Not thinking that hotels don't carry any money. The fuck was I thinking? You know, hit something else up, but I wasn't thinking. So I went in and just told the lady, well, they come up to help you, right? And it's hard to remember because I was pretty, t- I was drunk. I was pretty drunk. I actually woke up in jail the next day, not even knowing why I was in jail. Guess I told the lady, give me the money or die. It was there, very terrible, very terrible. They gave me like a couple hundred bucks and I left and I'm driving down the road 
And then there's like all these police cars. And so what do you do when you see a police car, right? You pull over. So I pulled over and they all went past me. Yeah, that is like unbelievable. So I get back on the road and then they all turn around and then pull me over again. And that's when the guns are drawn. And I had bullet shells too, because the week before I did go out shooting and I was kind of slob. So I like, I remember there's bullet cases that you know, the car, put your hand in the fucking, you know, there's, you know, I had all these guns drawn on me and it was just all big blur, man. Cause just, it was all just a big blur. I can't really remember how it all even went down. I couldn't even tell you how it all went down. That's what I told you what I know. And I'm not proud of it at all. It ruined my life, man. I mean, it didn't ruin my life. It didn't ruin my life, but it, but it set me back. Maybe it set me back and set me up, man. I didn't hurt anybody, although I did hurt someone's emotions. And that person did have a right to testify in court, but they never did. I uh, ended up going to jail for three months. And then uh, I called, you know, my family. And I was like, I don't need to get bonded out. The only thing I want is a fucking real attorney because I know how these lawyers are. They, they're just going to send me up the river, man. So I'm looking at 25 years with a mandatory 17. Did you have I mean, a gun? I had brass knuckles. Why the hell would I put those out? I don't know. Maybe that was the only weapon I had. You robbed but... a hotel with brass knuckles? Yes. That's pretty audacious. I'm stupid. You could have totally gotten shot and killed. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. And you shouldn't have been driving either if you were yeah. that drunk. But I got three OWIs, so I know how to do it pretty well. That was my third one when I got arrested that night. So is that why you were facing a longer charge? No, that's just in Iowa. First degree robbery is 25 years. That's severe. With a mandatory like 70%. It's considered a forcible felony. Okay, so you got a good attorney, <laughs> right? I mean, you must have. Hell yeah. Shout out Alan Richards from Tama, Iowa. That motherfucker ain't no joke, man. Love that guy, Alan Richards. So I got out on bond. The bond reduction was due to me going straight to rehab in handcuffs, basically. So I spent like six months in rehab. Uh, went to rehab and then stayed at their halfway house. And then I was allowed to actually go back to the Quad Cities and live under the same bond conditions, a reduced bond that literally my family put up 2500 bucks instead of 25000 So it was very reasonable. I'm not going to lie. This you know, that racial, systemic racism is very real, man. If I was black, I'd still be in prison right now. Oh, definitely. Do you think that's going to change? Maybe over time. You know, I kind of had a spiritual awakening inside jail there, and I, I wanted to serve God, and eventually I did, like, you know, go back to school and whatnot. But other lessons that I could say, read a lot of books, look to God, go to church, you know, defend yourself. Don't be a punk. It doesn't matter if you can fight or not. Fucking just stand up for yourself. But I really don't talk about that that much. It's like the first time I've talked about this in a long time. How come? I don't know. I've talked about it enough over 10 years. <laughs> I mean, this was 10 years ago. It's interesting because earlier in the conversation, you were also talking about feeling free from being yourself. I know. Isn't that weird? how we can go back and forth depending on the situation. 
when you experience something like county jail and you have a spiritual awakening, do you think that led to you being more comfortable in who you are and just not caring what people think? No. No? I reverted back into that fundamentalist lifestyle. That's all I knew as far as spirituality. It really wasn't until I went to grad school later on that I decided that maybe being a pastor is not right for me. Education got me away from fundamentalism. Maybe that's what more people need is an education. Education and just being open-minded. Most of my aim in life is to help people. I've worked in nonprofit for the last five years. I do a lot of coaching. I want people to be their best selves. I work with a lot of people who have felonies and gone down a bad turn. And I feel very blessed to actually make a living actually doing that. That is Um, amazing. Yeah. Based on my story, and this is what I like to tell people, it doesn't matter what kind of story you have. You can have a crappy ass story, man. You got to make that shit shine. You know what? You got to change it around. You know, you got to flip the script on them. Not let them look at you like you're a felon, but look at you like, man, maybe I should hire you. I'm compelled. Make them compelled to hire you based on what you've done. But it takes time, man. I haven't been arrested in 10 years. It was like, the reason why is just because I don't ever want to ever put myself in a situation like that again, ever. Don't drink and drive. The worst crime that I do is possessing cannabis in Iowa. And if I get arrested for that, fuck it, whatever. How do you make it compelling? You have to put in the work first. You got to write your story. You got to write a book. And that that book that you're writing is going to take time. It's going to take years, probably, especially if you're coming out of jail or if you're coming out of prison or even if you're like me that got a very strict probation sentence that you still have two felonies on your record now. It doesn't matter if you went to prison or not. They're still just going to look at that record. So I could have went to prison, but I didn't go to prison, but I still have that felony. Like I went to prison anyway. And I accept and acknowledge I had a lot of uh, luxuries and help. And if you don't have that, it's not good, you know? Yeah, if you don't have that, how do you navigate? I think going to self-help groups can be a good thing. Getting with like-minded people that are actually on that same path. Getting, if you go to, like I've been to a lot of obviously self-help groups and there's some pretty prestigious people in the community that go to these things. Obviously it's anonymous, so I can't talk about it. And as far as naming names, but if you can prove your worth, like I'm staying sober and doing what you should be, you may be able to get people that can testify for you or at least write letters to the judge. You know, I know that, you know, in AA groups, sometimes if they really know a person is doing well, you know, people will write letters and try to support a person as much as possible while they're going through the court process. How did that affect your parents? I mean, you said that you had a good relationship with your parents. I mean, they couldn't have liked to have seen you on the damn news. Well, they didn't like it, but they saw me in the paper before for DUIs and shit. You know, I've been probably was getting arrested since I was 14. I mean, if you had parents that loved you, what went wrong? I don't know. Why the fuck was I talking about stroke coke in fourth grade? Hey, I'm not a criminal anymore, damn it. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was dropped on my head or something. I have no idea. And your parents just continued to love you and 
be there for you and get you an attorney and yeah i mean in the whole retrospect my parents didn't spend one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get me into a freaking school to say that i was a rogue bonist or whatever those girls were i wasn't lori laughlin my parents weren't lori laughlin you know what i mean that's what i was talking about uh you know they spent you know 10 plus thousand to help me out i'm eternally grateful I have a son and I'm not going to talk about his issues. He turns 21 this month. Wow. You know, I got unconditional love for him. I mean, you're going to love your kids. You're going to love your kids. And if you have the means, like if my parents, if my parents, my mom didn't have, it was really my mom, if my mom didn't have the means, there'd be nothing she could do. Can you we know? talk about you becoming a father and how that happened? Well, it's pretty biological. I just met a girl at Kmart, Blue Light Special. No, rest in peace because she's passed away and started dating her and then knocked her up and there you go. And you were young. Yeah, I was like 19. That's why I joined the military. So I felt like, what am I going to do now? You know, I got this kid on the way. I probably should do something honorable. Yeah, so I decided to, well, I'm healthy enough. Let's see, let's see if the army will take me. And they did. Guess what? I became a military policeman. Nice. Was what was that like? It was fun. I got to be in the front seat of the car for once. I mean, what was that like though? Like she had the kid and you went off to the army and yeah. what happened there? He was born December 26, 1999. I left on just like five days later. Whoa. And she had a new tiny little baby. How could you leave? We talked about it. Did you see the baby? Oh yeah, I was there. I cut the umbilical cord. And you were still able to just go? You're like, sorry, gotta go. No, but it was part of the plan, man. It was part of the plan. How are we gonna raise this kid? How are we gonna be a family unless I have some kind of good job? Wow. So I was like, this could be the, the thing that we can do to support this family. And then we went to Fort Stewart, Georgia. And the army gave us all tickets and flew down there. I signed up at my unit where I was, you know, given papers to go and we just started living. I had a job. And you took the baby with you and you guys tried to do the family yeah. I got honorably discharged from the military and I was a civilian when I got home. Why did you choose to do that? Well, my ex, she was leaving me anyway and I was, just, I came back and she was pregnant by another guy. All right. Well, yeah, that will change things. Damn. Yeah, I, I love her, man. Rest in peace, you know, but I wasn't that great of a husband either. I cheated on her quite a bit, too. Did you cheat first? Not that it matters, but... Probably. I don't know. Who knows? You guys were young and it was complicated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not ideal. Were you a part of your kid's life or like what happened oh, there? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm part of his life. I've been part of his life. When his mom died, he lived with me full time. He, his mom died when he was 14. And uh, so I took him full time until he wanted to be rebellious and live on his own when he was 18, which is probably a stupid move, but it's whatever. What um, happened to your wife? How did she die? She died of a disease called Sjogren's syndrome. I believe it's similar to lupus. It's an autoimmune disorder. Oh my gosh. It generally affects women and like lupus does, although men can get it. It generally, the percentiles of women, 
And some women can live with it with medication all their lives and have a semi-normal life. And then there's other other women like my ex-wife who's on the wrong side of the bell curve who, uh, you know, it ended up just basically eating her up inside. I think it was actually a cardiac arrest, but it was because of the underlying condition. That's so sad. I'm so sorry. That must have been really hard on you and him. Oh, yeah. It was extremely hard on a lot of people, especially him. So... And so then he moved in with you, and that was the first time that he had lived with you fully? Fully, yeah, since the military. I mean, he would come over on the weekends and whatnot all the time. No, I was fully active in my son's life. But you had yeah. a teenager moving in with you. I mean, that's... Oh, a teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it changed the dynamic a bit, especially as he got older. The first year wasn't so bad. It was a big change for him, but once he really got comfortable, and then I moved into an actual house from an apartment, and it was hard because he was pretty rebellious. He was just like me. My mom always told me that it would happen to me, that it, I would get revenge. She, she got revenge because he was pretty rebellious, still is. Oh my God, my mom wished that upon me too. Isn't that a nice thing to say? Hey, you know, I think epigenetics is a real thing and that you're going to have very similar traits of your parents. I just want them to succeed, you know, know, like any parent would. Can you tell me about somebody's life that you've helped transform? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever helped transform someone's life. I think... think Or somebody's life that you feel like you've made a difference in. I try to make a difference in my son's life. I can't honestly say if I've ever really made a difference in someone's life. You're making a difference in my life right now. Okay, well, yeah, I'm making a difference in Rena's life from the Better Call Daddy podcast. The best Hell podcast yeah. Woo! Eat, eat that, Joe Rogan. <laughs> You're my first hero, but... Thank no, you. Gonna... Is there anything that you'd like to uh, ask my daddy? What kind of weed do I want to buy next? Oh, you know what's funny? My dad wants to get into the CBD space. He actually wants to get into the weed industry. Oh, cool, man. Okay. I would like to get hired then by your daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, if, if you want to talk about weed with him, that might be a way in. Yeah, definitely. I'd be a total fucking grunt. I'd do whatever the fuck I had to do. I don't know a lot about it. He's figuring it out, too. I'd put manure down. I would do whatever. Pay me 12 bucks an hour. I don't give a damn. Well, this was fun. And let me know if your son wants to be on. Yeah, definitely. He'll be ecstatic if he's not in jail. I mean, he's no, seriously, he's facing some shit. So we'll see. Well, I hope that he's able to get a good attorney then. We'll see. I hope. All right. Well, I'll keep him in my prayers. Well, thank you. Yeah. Take that. And I appreciate you. So, Daddy, what did you think? Very interesting interview with Nathan. The funny part is, is it's almost like an oxymoron. He wants to be able to believe whatever he wants to believe. But that's after he comes to the realization that he has studied extensively beliefs of different religions, different times of his history. After many, many experiences, good, but a lot of bad ones, that's when he's decided to help other people and help himself and to be able to say, 
that you can't take everything literally and you don't want to be an extremist, but you want to be able to believe what you want to believe. But in the same time, you want to be able to do it in some type of righteous way. Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like he's uh, kind of had some revelations, right? Exactly. A lot of times we rebel from things and then we find out later on that we really need certain institutions and to be able to also have some type of foundation to base our lives with. So from no fundamentals, we find out later in life that we really do need fundamentals. The other thing is, is that, which comes out in this interview, is that there's so many people out there that just want to feel good. What does that mean? I just want to feel good, whether it's smoking marijuana or having a drink or whether it's having sexual relations and to have it freely and openly and without necessarily uh, thinking of the responsibility of the sex, of the drinking or the drugs until the consequences hit us right in the, in the nose. What do you think? That he was, he was young. He wasn't so much thinking about the repercussions. That's correct. And the idea is that so many of us think the same way, isn't it? What makes us feel good? Let's not take everything so seriously. And yet at the same time, if we don't take things seriously or give it some thought, we also find later on, what kind of meaning do we have with our lives unless we do take it seriously? So that's where, like I said, you get both, both angles of the coin. He is trying to find deeper meaning now, reconnecting with his son, and I think even putting his own podcast together. Exactly. So the truth of the matter is, is he is a believer, even though he didn't really want to be a believer in the beginning. What did you think about him offering to shovel manure for you? <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is, is that anyone is willing to start at the bottom of a company and work their way up is how all of us feel is that if it's something that interests us, we're willing to do whatever it takes to get our foot in the door to learn and develop with it. I think that's a natural reaction. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Ren 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.